y primas, welcome to my primo's podcast. And my name is Freddie. With me tonight is my primo and yours, Mr. Kevin Garcia.com. Yo, so what's, up, Kevin? what's up, Kevin? You always leave me there, man. Just look, right there. It, it, it's not it, my own it fault. Worked for George fault. and Gracie, it works for me. It's my own fault. I just encourage you. Do you, man? You know what? Do it all day. Today, Kevin, if I don't, we are joined by a very special guest, a returning guest, our annual visit from <laughs> Mr. Terry Blass. Say hi, Terry. Hi. I'm glad you're back, Terry. Missed Me. you, by the way. I'm glad I'm here. <laughs> Terry, you have become kind of like an icon in, in our community. Uh, yeah, when I'm talking about like, when I say our community, in this case, I mean like the, the Latina uh, creators, you know, comic book creators, mm. artists, writers. Um, uh, it, it's basically... You are this shining star that could be like, look, see, look, look what he's done with Marvel. Look what he's done on his own. Look, look at what he's posted on social media. We love your work. And uh, it's like anytime I'm having a discussion with people, uh, your name is going to come up at least once, always with reverence, you know? So just take that for what you will. Wow. Okay, I'll take, I'll take it today. Look at that, the Latine Shining Star Award, Mr. Terry Blas. Well, right. guys, of course, we're going to talk about a lot of topics what Mr. Terry has been working on recently. Stuff coming soon. Also, a couple projects that are in the works right now, including a big podcast that I'm a fan of, The J Word, which I really enjoy. I want to talk about that. Nice. We'll also chat about the Netflix film, Nimona. And of course, Primos, you can always check us out at My Primos Podcast on all social media. Of course, you can check out our website at MyPrimosPodcast.com. Check out all our posts, ideas, our reviews. Everything's on there as well for you guys to check us out. So let's jump in. What do you guys want to start i think that well, for me tell me, about, tell me about the j word because like oh, i okay. only i only listen to one podcast regularly and that is my primos podcast um what is the j word and why should i be listening to it it's right up your alley perfect kevin <laughs> all to you my friend me yes you what is it? it's your show okay sorry, sorry freddie i thought you were going i can go ahead no, i'm man. asking right. you 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 okay. are okay. the representative here talk to us so Anyone who knows me, at least slightly, knows that I'm a huge fan of Drag Race, right? RuPaul's Drag Race. Mm -hmm. And they've even gotten to the point now where there's so many franchises that they do like UK versus the world and they have queens from Drag Race Philippines or, you know, it's like a global thing. And my complaint has always been like, what do you mean the world? Don't you mean the English speaking world? The West? Like, like th there's no Latin queens on here. There's no Drag Race Mexico. There's no Drag Race Brazil. There's no Drag Race. Is there at least a Drag Race Belize? I want Drag Race Buena Park. Because that's the only thing you can Yeah. So finally, we got a Drag Race Mexico. And I was so excited about it. And I was like, this is what I've been wanting. I loved this other YouTube show called La Mas Draga, which was another, like, you know, kind of drag competition on YouTube uh, from Mexico City. And when we got Drag Race Mexico, I was so excited about it. And so was my friend Chucho. And we both wanted to do a podcast because we had watched... Um, Drag Race España, which they have, and La Mastraga, and seen review shows that people were doing where they were either not getting any of the cultural references because they're not, they're not, you know, like Latino, Hispanic, Latinx, whatever. Um, no connection. Or because things don't translate perfectly on subtitles, they'd be missing a lot of stuff. For instance, I know somebody who watched um, the recent drag race mexico episode and they introduced the guest judge and they said you know she's got an innocent face but a bad reputation and and then they say her name she's one of my favorite pop stars donna paola but they um the people watching it were like wait so is she like a bad girl in mexico she's like a tabloid like you know but carita de inocente it like that, that it's a lyric from one of her songs yeah so but they wouldn't know that right and so Chucho and I would always be like, man, like people are not going to understand Drag Race Mexico. And there's so much we love about Mexican culture. And they have two hosts who are, um, one is born and raised in Mexico, lives in France now though. And the other one's Mexican-American, Val Valentina. Valentina. Right? Um, and Chucho's like, that's kind of like you and me. Like Chucho lives in Mexico City and and I'm Mexican-American and there's references I surely will get and and won't get. And he was like, we should do a thing where we like, talk about our opinions about it and and also you know we have a whole segment called um explaining the reference where Chucho goes through and he's like so this is you know 
this is a slang word that we have and this is why that joke might make more sense if you know you knew this um so it's a youtube like chat show because he's in mexico obviously and i'm here um in oregon and um we record it every week and we just like talk about drag race mexico and what we love about it and um yeah so that's that's kind of it we've got about four episodes out now even though it's hard there's like three i guess episodes of there's three Drag Race Mexico, the, but we recorded like a meet the queens episode and all that before yeah. so yeah. i want to gush a little bit about the show because first of okay. all like i love i love it i love it love it love drag race i watch all stars i watch untucked i watch right. a little bit of la mas draga and i haven't sat down and watched the most recent episode of mexico but i love watching your show because not only do i get a great summary and i skip over the filler and i get the goods right from you guys yeah and i love chucho explaining he gives me that history like the mm -hmm. fact that and he explained the j word i remember one of the first episodes i think i was like people need to understand why we're calling it this right like yeah and, and the I use can, of the word just from the name but there's a history well, but, what he, but what he explained is that like you know back when in the old timey days when and feel free get by the way we're we're using it for educational. I would yeah, say yeah. it's well, okay well, to I speak on it on that reason. Personally, that doesn't mean we can't use them on my Primus podcast. Sure. Yeah. What, what all I mean is that um, back in Mexico, when people were arrested for being gay, they would put them in cell block J. So that became known like the, the letter J, you know, whatever. That became known as like the derogatory F word for, yeah. you know, gay people in Mexico. And because of that, people started reclaiming it, just like people do with a lot of other words, right? So the queer community started typing out that word on social media posts and whatnot, and their own posts were getting censored, even though they were using it as like this reclamation. So they started yeah. using um, the umbrella emoji because it's in the shape of a J. And so I just so thought good. it was so interesting. I like it, that, that to me was like almost like the mini idea of our podcast too because i was like oh well yeah i know that what i know what the j word is i know that, that means something bad but i didn't know about cell block j i didn't know that I, culturally I that history people were using the like umbrella, the emoji. umbrella. So i was like this is yep. cool i want to know this stuff and and all these cultural references so it's been really fun to make um and we realized that our, our episodes are kind of long but we realized like oh they might get shorter and shorter as more and more queens go home <laughs> True. I mean, well, like, I love well, the fact that Chucho gives us a lot of references. For example, when we do the challenges, like the last one that I saw was the the dress for the quinceañera and mm -hmm. Matraca's outfit, right? When he's talking about the papel picado and how mm -hmm. he talked about, look, look at the details, spray painting, what it means, and kind of the breaking down the the outfit and the history of the quinceañera in a way, mm -hmm. you know? Like I just knew it as, yeah, we have it, but I didn't know the origins and kind of how it's develop and, balls and exactly yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. it's great your show's awesome even if someone's not a fan of drag race which is a disservice if you're not by the way go watch <laughs> it's like a mexican but, culture podcast yeah it's fun so, I, I have a question so you're talking about mm -hmm. like how people don't get these references and it's not just a language thing because it's also like subcultures and stuff right right but but like the first thing that popped into my mind is like when there's translating of japanese anime and manga Right. Mm -hmm. with, with manga, sometimes there'll be a little like footnote at the bottom that explains this is a reference to a song, the blah, 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 blah. Right. But for the anime, they don't have that kind of time. So for the anime, they'll usually replace it with a American pop culture reference that is equivalent. And I'm like, the first thought I had was, well, maybe they can. Like, no, that doesn't work. You can't do that with a, with a, with a uh, reality yeah. show like this. Like you can't just substitute so, uh, a translation like that. Freddie, I'll be interested to see what you think of the most recent episode, which went up our, of our podcast, which went up today. Um, oh, okay. because they do these skits, right? And one of them is about a taco stand, but Chucho explains, and it's a joke I used in Reptil too, that like the taco stand in Reptil is called taco ganas, right? Because taco is like a shortened way of saying esta con, right? Yeah. So now like, and so somebody uses a taco thing in the skit and Chucho puts like subtitles across the top that show what I just said about like breaking down the word and why if you hear people making a joke that has taco in it, that's probably what it means. So like, I think it's great that he does that because he's also a professional film director, writer, editor, 
so he's subtitled over 52 movies because he's like a certified ESL teacher. Um, cool. Yeah, he's really, really great. Um, oh, did I follow him on Letterbox? Like I oh, his love his reviews. <laughs> yeah, they're fun. Like I, I really want to tell him pick he needs to watch, brains. Um, Maybe you can put a a good word for a, me, okay? Oh yeah, he's being a snob because I'm trying to get him to watch Avatar: Last Airbender, and he doesn't want to do it. <laughs> hey, I only recently watched Avatar and Korra, and for the record, I actually like Korra better. Oh, me too. And I'm watching Korra for the okay. fourth time I, right now. I, I've been told it's weird that I did, but I I, I really got into Korra. No, so like, I like how Korra I a lot better. Here's how I say it. I, my, 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 my favorite show of all time is Buffy the Vampire Slayer, right? Fair enough. But Buffy was about growing up, like how it's difficult to grow up, right? Mm -hmm. And Angel, the spinoff show, is about how difficult it is to be an adult every day, right? And yeah. that's how I see Avatar and Korra. It's like, you created a world, you two amazing guys, you created this world that's like gone beyond what Avatar was, which was an adventure show about kids. The world now sustains these bigger ideas about like like ang's villain is like the fire lord eh, he wants to take over the world and cora's first villain is like this guy who wants equality so he's taking bending away from people and you know like the ideas are more adult i i just lo i love cora and i have a very special place in my heart for janet varney voice of cora because um i got to know her slowly over a couple of years and she helped me through like a rough time in my life. Um, so, and, and I was on her podcast, The JV Club, which is an amazing podcast about like your awkward teen years. And so she interviewed me about that because she and I were both raised uh, Mormon, you know, and we talk a little bit about, yeah. about that. But Cora is my avatar. Like Aang I, literally didn't want to kill the Fire Lord because they didn't give him like a vegan option. And Cora would have been like, <laughs> you know what? I, I, I like Aang's story. I, I, I did too. Aang's I love story. it. But I just yeah. I couldn't stop watching Chorus. Yeah. So that's it's what I fascinating. No, Chorus story is for the fans that grew up on Avatar. Like they've moved. Yeah. Okay, we've grown up with Aang and now the gang. They can watch a story with some more complex ideas. Exactly. Also, they're no longer girls. Chorus just you know a little more queer. So I love her. I love her too. It is a great reason. story. I love I love the characters in that in that yeah. story. Honestly, and if we stay on the topic of animation there's a film that we've all watched that we really want to chat about because i really loved it i know you did as well uh terry and kevin has thoughts too it's on netflix the kids the film nimona so mm -hmm. i think that it's safe to say that you, you can borrow a password or something but we're going to talk talk hey, uh, netflix is going after those password borrowers now and borrow but, it but but i, I love it. how this is kind of like already becoming a touch point for, for the current generation. Talk about like, you know, your your avatar and everything else. Nimona yeah. is like, it, it's it's hitting all different generations, right? But but like oh, yeah. for, for young people, like I'm watching them on TikTok and stuff and they just can't believe how much they're being represented in this cartoon. And it's just, it is amazing. It's so well done and the, and the journey it took to get even to our small screens, you know? Yeah. I think that it's one of my favorite animated movies in a long time. I mean, that and long, that, it feels different the way that Spider-Verse felt different when it came out. You know what That's I mean? It's a good comparison. Like and, and I think that, um, I'm trying to gather my thoughts here. The thing that I take from the movie is, I, don't quote me on this, but I was <laughs> under the- okay, under, we're not recording, but we are. <laughs> but I was under the impression that within its first like three or four days, it was Netflix's likely most watched animated movie of all time yeah well i i, I don't know the all-time part but i do know it's been it went number one like faster than anything else. yeah like faster than any other animated movie and on netflix and it had it had promotion sure but i didn't really see any so i don't think it had a big promotional like you know campaign behind it my son and that's 13 he's, he's the one that told me he goes wasn't this movie canceled yeah and i go what do you mean <laughs> That was, like, that was yeah. my experience too. He's like, it was it's, canceled. I didn't think it was coming out. And we watched it together. And in a way, I think it being canceled almost was like, oh, remember, that's the movie that got canceled. We should yeah. watch it, you know? So that was like, I don't want to say it was good for it, but like, <laughs> well, you know, I like, mean, it, long it run, guess... in the long run. But the thing that I'll take from it is like, when people pitch something like an animated movie and a company is like, oh, we, no, we can't be, we, 
people aren't going to watch it because there's going to be queer characters in it. There's going to be a gay kiss in it. There's going to like, you know, like when a, a story is pitched like that and that's the fear. Well, doesn't this movie prove all that wrong? Like if it's the most watched animated movie or it shot up quicker than any other and it had no marketing behind it or, you know, like campaign and people still watched it and people are still watching it. Then don't tell you me know, that I can't pitch you something with queer characters or talking about the kiss, right? And it. they were talking about yeah. the a great moment. I mean, at the beginning of the film, right at the front, when the two main characters, one of the two main characters, you know, they, they touch hands and hold hands, mm -hmm. and we're like, "Wow, that's awesome!" And then at the end, we get the we get a kiss. My wife sat there and she's like, "Man, it's so crazy how this is done so well without any fanfare, yeah, without it, needing it, to be put." Like, yeah, look, 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 look. It's just natural, part of the world. It's just natural, but yet everything else is a whole fucking to do about a kiss. So, so listen, my take, my, my my intro to this was like I I had been aware of the graphic novel and the webtoon or the webcomic rather, um, and uh, and I knew that it had, uh, you know, gay themes, but it wasn't necessarily overt in the original graphic novel, in my understanding. It was eventually, but it didn't start out that way, right? And, and then I knew the movie was coming up and I figured, well, they're probably toning things down or leaving them uh, hinting. And then when I saw the, and then I saw the, the little trailer for it on Netflix and I was like, wait, it got revived. Like, oh, they went, they went back. Okay. Well then I'll go watch it. And then I'm watching the first few minutes of it and I'm like, oh, well, they're kind of hinting that these two could be in a relationship. And I was like, wait, no, these two are in a relationship. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Let's just move forward. This is cool. I giggled so, so, when they were like, like gold loins. Oh, yeah. like no, but Ambrosius too. Like Ambrosius gold loin. Is, isn't that an aphrodisiac? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, um, I thought it was so great that it establishes that oh, these two guys love each other, and then the rest of their story was about like this, not misunderstanding, but you know what I mean. Like, well, no, it's it's, it's, it's the fact that they loved the, each other the was like just one duty. aspect of it. It was an yeah, adventure. of duty pulling them apart. One a duty to the yeah. truth they know, and one a duty to these the oath they've sworn. And neither one is wrong in those situations. They're wrong in the ultimate pieces of it, partially, but yeah. like in those parts that they're not wrong. Um, what I loved about it, because I didn't know the story going in, I knew bits and pieces of the story, right? Um, I loved that I saw Golden Loin, and my first instinct in a movie is, oh, well, he's the blonde guy descended from an important person, super attractive. The other guy's dark skinned. Clearly, they're going to be antagonistic to each other. And this guy's going to act like he's better than them. And immediately, it was supportive words, supportive words, supportive words. And I was like, I love this already. Like, literally, five minutes in, I turned to my partner. And I'm like, I love this already. Like, that was all it took for me was like, this guy, like, I didn't know what relationship those two were going to have. I didn't know they were in a relationship yet at that point. But I was like, it's so easy for a story like this to just make the child of, of privilege immediately the yeah. bad guy and immediately it's like no this is something different you're watching something it's, it's different. funny neither one of them is the bad guy in this story right? yeah like, exactly yeah they're they're at odds because of just the, the the forces of what happens but they're not the bad guy yeah you know in the in the past this movie would have gotten a higher rating too as far as like it's a pg oh yeah yeah that kind of rating yes it definitely would. in that kind of rating part uh, yeah, because yeah. in the past i'm used to 10 years oh, it's ago, a PG it would film. PG-13. Yeah, 20 but, years ago, it would have been R. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm what I'm getting to. The point that this these themes, uh, the fact that we're lowering or somehow some way it's adjusting. lowering that that we're wall. Adjusting. We're adjusting. Yeah. yeah, we need to. These are this 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 movie was fun. Everyone that watched this movie, my me, my wife, my son, that sat here together, enjoyed it together, and it was blast. And I was watching it on my own a little bit. The first 10, 15 minutes, I'm like. This is so dope. I have to watch my family watch it with me. And I'm we gonna, all love it. I'm like, again, try to form my words because <laughs> my brain's running a million miles a minute because I love the movie so much. But yeah. um, I, it felt to me like I was watching a family-friendly film, right? You were. <laughs> and I, Right, but I'd never, I'm not used to having characters who are ex explicit, it's explicitly known that these characters are gay, this other character is pretty much trans, right? Like, yeah, yeah. We're gonna get, and, get to her, get to them in a second. And yeah, have, and have like, and have it be feel like a family film, and that was reaffirming to me because I think again, when you hear pushback about having queer characters or something, because it's it's usually because it's not going to be accepted, it's not going to be family friendly, right? And I'm like, what, what are you saying? I'm not family friendly, like. I'm not always friendly to my family, but like <laughs> that's a different topic. That's a different. That's, topic. that's not the same thing, right? Yeah. Well, well let me ask you a quick question. Yeah. Uh, did you did you watch Strange Worlds? 
Strange World. So Disney put out a movie this year. Oh, I saw half of it. Fair. Okay, but see, that says a lot right there. Because I watched the movie recently, right? Before I saw Nimona, not not immediately before, but like a month or so before. Uh, So I watched it on Disney+. And I remember hearing a lot of people saying, hey, the movie didn't get a fair shot. They weren't promoting it. You know, one of the main characters is gay. And maybe this part, not only gay, but also biracial. You know, all this stuff. And so I'm watching it and I'm like, this isn't a good movie. Like, it's not, <laughs> it's not bad. It's just not of the quality that Disney should be. And, and yeah, I remember. And, and, and so, like, it didn't, get the look marketing, it, it didn't get the marketing it needed. It didn't get a lot of stuff. But I feel like sometimes it's an excuse. Like, um, do you remember there was that, uh, that producer that used to be in charge of Marvel? And he kept saying that, like, oh, we couldn't have a female run or, or a minority run movie because, because it's not going to be successful. And the examples he would give, would be like Electra and Catwoman. And those movies were like, from the get-go, set up to be bad movies. So it's like, you set up a movie to be bad and then say, look, it's proof that female-run movies aren't going to work. And I'm like, I'm not saying that Strange World set up to be bad, but I'm like, I feel like it didn't get the treatment that a lot of Disney films get. You know, it didn't have yeah. the, the research and the multiple. Like, I feel like I feel like that movie, when I watched it, it felt like, like an artist had a visual idea and they just never developed it past that. Uh, it's interesting because i don't understand i mean i do understand what it's about but i don't understand why that's reserved for movies about women and minorities or or marginalized people like are you telling me there aren't bad movies about dude superheroes exactly and they don't they don't cancel the entire genre because one movie went bad yeah guys movies movies about men no we can't can't do it that one didn't make any money it's like white guy in a movie. Oh, it failed. We can't do oh, another one of those. No more. Or so, you get yeah, the argument. Weird. You just didn't get it. And it's like, really? That's what it is. It, it can be a bad yeah. movie. Trust me. And, and you're and, like, you're and, right. I did it. <laughs> and then you use the comparison to Spider-Verse earlier. And, and that movie, visually, storytelling-wise, nothing like Nimona. But both of them groundbreaking in what they are presenting in animated film. Mm-hmm. And, and I completely agree. Both of those movies, like, I could see all those people want to give all those excuses of like, you can't have minority-run movies. You can't have, uh, you know, queer-run movies. And then they have these two, and you're like, you can say nothing. These two are beautiful. <laughs> um, no, Nimona, like, the fact that just the visual style itself lends itself just to, it's like a storybook come to life. Like, I got that vibe of, like, a, like a pop-up book, in yeah. a sense. Mm-hmm. And, like, it just pulled me in to kind of, like, wow, that's, that's, that's unique. For a split I feel second, that's different. I was a little bit thrown off by the art style. Like it felt a bit too simplified for me at first, but I very quickly like went with it because it that simplified style allowed it to be more expressive, and I yeah really they enjoyed they that. talked about how they wanted her shape shifting to look like it was hand drawn, yeah mm. like they didn't want some computer effect that was like boom boom what right a poof but they wanted like transitions of one animal into another and like you know they wanted it to look more I mean they play yeah. with the medium right like let's skip ahead to to nimona and when we we meet them yeah let's talk about nimona because you just said right now earlier like there's basically a trans character um they don't use that direct terminology with nimona but like there is no other way to see nimona and and well there's a couple moments that that i feel are a little more explicit um well right so that like today i am so great so if that's not gender fluid, well, I don't know what is. Right. And then and then um, there's a moment where Nimona says, or um, I think it's the Balance. other guy that she's with. Yeah. He says, um, most people scream when that happens or feel like that hurts. And, sh- and she says, I'm not a people. <laughs> well, like, okay. I, I love where he's like, can't you just be normal for a little bit? What What is it like when you don't change? And she says, when I don't change, it's like I'm dying. And then he says, that's horrible. She's like, no, I don't mean literally dying, but I might as well be. And I, to me, that was like a, a beautiful description right there. Of she like, says, it's worse when I'm not doing it. Yes. Because yeah, you're hiding really who great. you are. Yeah. And that explanation There's, is perfect. It kind of reminds me a lot of Steven Universe. And the yes. fact that yeah. they're, they're, I also they're giving it. I recently watched all of like a year ago. Oh, my God. Catch up, please. <laughs> oh, I did. I caught up. I fully Kevin, caught up. did right. Uh, a comic, by the way, for Steven Universe. Yes. And if you knew that, Kevin, I'm aware. Okay, I'm making sure you're, you're in front of uh, in front of uh, in front of somebody that oh, knows what he's doing. Uh, but what I'm getting to is that I love the fact that she speaks for those people because the fact that or for them because she's 
my, my, my mind went immediately to somebody going, you're coming at me with such a small question. It's just a simple, like, 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 why are you coming at me with just simple question? So like, you're wasting my time and we're, we're almost insulting each other's intelligence with what you're asking me here. Like pick up what I'm dropping. You know what I mean? And, and I got it. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. I love yeah. her, her energy and her vibe. Like, just come on people pick it up. There's, you know, there's also a moment where, um, they're talking and they're in the city and there's all these, you know, digital screens and stuff behind them and all these like neon lights. By the way, I love the, the concept of the great story, the world building. Continue. So um, one of the lights behind her is lit up like the trans flag. And so that's not very subtle at all. No, that's, that's, that's <laughs> um, but I think it's during, uh, I might be remembering this wrong, but I think there is another scene where um, it's essentially that scene with Mystique from X-Men in the Rebecca Romain Hall where they're like, well, why, if you can look like anything, like, why wouldn't you just look normal? And she's like, because we shouldn't have to. And I think like Nimona has a very similar response. Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely, you know, this metaphor that's very well used, I think. It's just a great fun movie. I want like three more. Yes, I, mean, I, I, I could live in that world. I also really love the the journey and the experience of the creator, mainly because so many fans of Andy Stevenson because of uh, Shira uh, is what turned me on. Like I I had heard of mm. their work, or heard of his work before, but like uh, Shira just blew me away to the point where like I I keep demanding every few weeks when can we get Shira meets <laughs> He Man by Andy Stevenson. Like I want that. Yeah. I want that to happen. And and he's been like, oh well, no, I'm not really gonna, you know. It's like, but you just know the second Netflix says okay, like that would be amazing. Sure. And, and it's like, Andy has said that they were kind of finding himself during this whole process, during yeah. this uh, creative process. And and I think that again, not having read the original graphic novel, what I've heard of the comparisons to the graphic novel, you know, written almost 20 years ago to the movie feels like it's also gone through a massive uh, change, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and and for the better, it seems like to me, uh, what I was expecting to be very subtle and, and symbolic was extremely explicit and appropriate. And and I really liked that. Yeah. A lot of I, I went like and grabbed it. my uh, copy of, of the graphic novel because I was like, I, I remember that I had Indy sign my copy at FlameCon several years ago. And I was like, oh, I want to see like the signature and see if like, because I didn't even, I don't even remember seeing like, you know, what it looked like. And then I went and opened the cover and he had signed it, but also drew a shark. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it was great. So I was happy that there's a little shark in there. No, Nimona is a blast. I really recommend you go check it out if you haven't watched it. I mean, we've given away a couple of little hints, but we didn't have ruined anything for you. Like I'm, I'm willing to rewatch this thing no, because it's a blast. It. It's so much fun, and the art itself is great. I love the heart. I, I teared up at the end. <laughs> oh, I heard a lot of yeah. people say this. Here, but I did one question for you guys on this. On that note, this movie was, I think, originally intended to go to theaters through Blue Sky until Fox got bought by Disney, and then uh, unofficial reports are that Disney felt it was too gay, um, and it got purchased by Netflix. Do you think? it would be the cultural touchstone it has become if it had gone to theaters traditionally. Like the, to me, to me, there's a, there's a prestige that comes with theaters, but there's an accessibility that comes with streaming. And, and I wonder I think if more maybe, people were able to watch it this way. Yeah. I think I you can't ignore that's... the fact that the accessibility is not, is an issue, right? There's some great Let films me... out there, like good indie films that you can't even watch at and theaters. Yep. They're just not showing them. Let me ask you this. Do you think, if there's a prestige that comes with theaters, do you think that Nimona is worthy of being nominated for Best Animated Motion Picture? My understanding is all Netflix has to do is have it, I uh, get a small Show premiere. Them. And it yeah, still counts. No, but do you think, oh, yes. would you say it's up there with that you know, that caliber? Yeah, that, like, yes. Level of, you know what came to I, mind? I would. I, I would struggle between this and Across the Spider-Verse. But yes, no, I like, agree. What came to mind immediately was like, wow, like I haven't enjoyed a family film, like Terry said, since like Shrek, like this. Yeah. Like, like just this fun, jump in, the jokes hit, it's good for everybody. 
And in those films, there's some inappropriate stuff. You know what I mean? So, like, this isn't anywhere near as inappropriate as I would call it to what Shrek is doing in the swamps. You know what I mean? Can yeah. I just say, if you haven't seen a good family-friendly movie, go watch also Netflix Mitchell's versus the Machines. Uh, this I love man that movie. Beats all... the drum for this movie. Yes, I cannot enough that movie. That I, great. Nimona is now kind of like going past it in my head for like things I'm going to suggest people watch. But like, it is so such a slept-on movie, and it also has um, like literally the main character of Mitchell's versus the Machines is my non-binary students in high school. Like, I know that student. You know what I mean? And they don't explicitly ever say it in the movie. It's definitely implied several times. Uh, but like between that and this, it's it's a whole generation of kids that are being seen right now, I feel like. I love how there's this running thread now through this episode of Cora, you know, uh, Nimona, uh, yeah. the girl from Mitchell and the Machines, these like femme queer animated characters. We should so, have a top 10. Honestly, these are, we these have are a lot of movies 10? that I really love. But like sometimes it's about trying to find the the right way to bring it up, and I feel like if you can go from one to the other to the other, it's a natural progression. Be like, okay, you like this? How about this? You like that? How about this? Well, that helps, right? Totally. Whenever you're watching something, there is nothing. I didn't really pay attention, but I fall trapped to that marketing. If you like Nimona, you'll also like this. You know, like I didn't pay attention if it had that. It did, see, like, it, oh, did it did else? recommend She-Ra at the end. After after it said we recommended these, uh, She-Ra was the top recommendation. Um, okay, so but, that's there. There you go. Yeah. There's something with the the what is it? The mag, the algorithm that controls everything. You get to see yeah. in, in the bubbles and the webs and the the 600 tweets we get to enjoy right now. Uh, you know, <laughs> I want to real quickly, uh, if you don't mind me, kind of jumping topics a little bit. We're talking about young adults. We're talking about like yeah. like things that are important to them. And I can't help but think about all the work that's been done in Marvel Voices. Oh, it's like there's been some runaway successes with those things. Literally. And, and uh, I was reading this one called Runaways uh, that this uh, this guy I knew wrote. And uh, Terry, I want to ask you about that. <laughs> Which Runaways are you talking about? <laughs> uh, well, it was one that that really kind of had a, had a voice to it. It was at Marvel though. Ah, okay. So, um, I, I, uh, so we got the story. This this new Runaways voices. It's part of Marvel's Unlimited line, which is these uh, digital only. They can only be read on devices, by the way, because I will try to read these on the browser, and it will say go to your device to read it, which I find frustrating. But I, I get do it because they, they're yeah. designed to be scrolled through, which which mm -hmm. I appreciate. Um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but in the in the like AOL online days of the internet, Marvel tried out digital comics back then. I remember specifically there was a digital Daredevil comic. And you would click it, and it would have a slight, like, kind of a GIF animation, but with Flash to get to the next panel. And I don't think those are, I think they, they did try to eventually get them onto the app Unlimited, but as still images. But it's just like, it was very of its time. They were trying. Now I feel like it's there. Now we've got to this point where Webtoons and Marvel Unlimited, we can read these things online and it makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I really love that Marvel has these several um, anthology books, really, uh, that give different people a chance to tell a story. Terry, what story are you telling in Marvel Unlimited, Marvel Voices? <clears throat> um, the story that is currently coming out, about half of it's out now, um, is a Runaways, but largely Carolina-centric story. And Zavin. Um, and Zavin. Um, about the Light Brigade, um, which I, in my head, basically see as like Guardians of the Galaxy, but more queer. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, fair that's fair yeah pretty fair um because previously in runaways um in some of the runs from a while back um you know majestanians who are what carolina is from from uh, they yeah. they they come to like take her away for the crimes of her father and zavin ends up leaving with them and the people who came to take her away were like this military organization called the light brigade um so I read through those issues in that run, and um, I was asked to write something just about the Light Brigade, but that was pretty much it. You know, I was like, well, if I get to do what I want, then they've become more of like a Star Trek kind of like they're, you know, going through the galaxy, exploring and helping people that need to be helped. Um, and Zavin is now, because Rainbow Rowell's run that ended a while back, when it showed Zavin, they were like, you know, like, a general like haha i'm here whatever and it's sort of ominous 
And I just made it, it was like, no, they're glad they found Carolina because they want to show her what they've done. I, I love that it's it's not so much a scary promotion, but a honor promotion. And I like yes. that. Um, and, and by the way, can I just say real quickly on Zavin? Zavin's a character that I've been fascinated with for years. Because um, when so Zavin cool. was first introduced, it was, well, it's a male scroll. But since you like girls, I will become a female scroll. And I think over time with different writers and stuff who've, who've gone after these characters, it, it established more of like, why are we putting human, you know, cultural norms yeah. on a literal shape-shifting race? And they yeah. basically say that that scrolls are whatever they, 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 they are. You know, and and the idea that Zavin, I feel like this is the most non-binary I've seen Zavin, and I really like that. Um, and and I will also say that I don't normally ship characters, but I, but I ship those two. I know that it's not the current story; it doesn't seem like, and it hasn't been for a while. And I know that they were yeah. forced into a marriage, but like what Zavin has become, I really like that. Because Carolina can look at this now with the light brigade and everything's done there, and go like, hmm. Well, so what I wanted to do with that was, was yeah, be explicit about this sort of non-binary idea with Savin that like, if you're a shapeshifter and you've grown up being a shapeshifter, then wouldn't, wouldn't this culture, I guess, be more comfortable with like, yeah, any form, you know, so like, who cares? So that's what they look like. That's who they are. And that's fine. Um, but that Carolina being asked to come with them because she's, she does need to be healed. She's like losing her powers. Um, the, the thing with that was that like, there's this not tension, but like she doesn't know if like Zavin wants to get back together, and Zavin doesn't know how Carolina feels, yep. and neither one of them um, are talking about it. So they're yep, just they're like, "This good to see like, you." Hi. Yeah, and and okay. Carolina's happy with Nico, so like you know, she doesn't kind of know what to do there, how to bring it up, and and so I did want to um, sort of get into that a tiny bit um, without. Is that why? <laughs> sorry, is that why the staff is always there? I mean. To kind no, of so in a way, I was, that my, I was wondering that myself. I was thinking the same. So thing. In the last run, Nico gave her the yeah. staff and was like, "Take this away and don't bring it back." See, I hadn't because... read that run, so when I saw her holding the staff, I was like, "Did Nico die?" And I missed it. <laughs> no, I no, she... as, as Nico's still here. Yeah, like let's not forget. I'm that's right how, here. That's it's a reminder. It you know, um, it it's it's meant to do that a little bit, and then yeah, and then there's um. A scene, I think, in exactly. the second it's issue, like, I'm right here, where where Zavin notices that Carolina is not using it. Yeah, I read that, and she's like, "But I can't. Like, I don't even know if the, I could use the magic from it, whatever." And Zavin's like, "No, it's this. It's a big stick. You can still, still hit fight with, with it." it. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so she's like, "Oh," and so I don't know if there's some underlying metaphor that who knows, but um, but yeah, I just. <laughs> I mean, we I, can dissect a staff all day here guys you know we're it, creatives so in so many ways i mean i i have to when i write something try to think of logically what i, I don't know how to say it they're like what logically has to be there so if carolina if, if carolina when she left if nico was like please take this away then i can't not show this thing that was like a part of the previous story <laughs> right so like yeah someone could surmise that like oh she went on the spaceship and what like she went and put the staff in her quarters and i don't want to do that like <laughs> it's a, well, it's a I cool mean, thing it so does, it's cool to go into that. the body i guess but anyway <clears throat> yeah I mean, but but would that but can is that what, magic can, she, can she do that i don't know i don't know and that's right. the other, so that's the other thing that i thought can. was kind of odd that she's using an explicitly powerful magic item but not as a walking magic, stick but not for magic but, <laughs> but regardless i still find it fascinating i love what you've done with the the supporting cast where you're giving them like a little bit more personality from their, from their, uh, not more personality, but like building on the personality. Fleshing like out, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, there we go. Not, 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 not fixing, but, but fleshing out uh, from some of their previous appearances, which I like a lot. I, I will admit when uh, the two things about this, number one, when I first heard it was going to be a Carolina focused story, I thought it was going to be in the, the love um, anthology. Mm. Uh, and then number two, um, I, lost what my second thought was, but I had a second thought a second ago. <laughs> um, uh, well, let me, let me oh, right, talk sorry. a little bit about the book. Number, so number two, when can... I said Light Brigade, oh. first thing I thought of was the Inhumans Light Brigade. And and I was all looking forward to the chameleons oh. being there and stuff. And and then I was like, that. wait, it's a different Light Brigade. I forgot, I even forgot that Light Brigade existed. I was yeah. thinking about the other Light Brigade. 
No, well, the the book's fun so far. I know you're about halfway through. We're all halfway through. Uh, it says six issues, right? Mm-hmm. I'm excited for it because I do. I have like so many of the trades. I have so many. I love the Runaways. I, I was so. Kevin's heard it before. Heartbroken that the series just didn't take off on TV. You know the Hulu show. But they live on in books. I love the Young Avengers in them. I love all the the, the arcs. I love how Carolina has always been kind of, and to be honest with you, when I read those books, like so much potential. Like, it, but she always felt second fiddle to, you know, Miko. Or, or of course, we have we like Zavin came in and kind of shined a little bit more, and no, no pun intended. But the fact that here we are, we're putting her right in the limelight getting her healed. I'm excited to see where she grows from this too, you know? Yeah, I what I wanted to do, because it's sort of, imagine they're like, okay, will you write a book about um, the Phoenix, right? But she can't use any of her powers. <laughs> like, what? So with Carolina, I was like, okay, there's this issue, these issues I have to write now. She's losing her powers, so she can't, she's not going to like light up all rainbow, you know? So yeah. now I'm limited into what she can do. And my, my next thought has to always be like, well, can I make that interesting though? Like, you know, how would you feel if like suddenly you lost your powers? Like, am I still a hero? Do I need this to be a hero? Like, you I know, mean, that's, I, that's sort of what I want. It's a little um, Disney Hercules, right? <laughs> like yeah. that kind of journey is kind of what I wanted to do with, with Carolina in this run since I was limited in what I could do with her. I, I no, will I'm say, sure that you're going to, Go ahead, Kevin. Although it's a Carolina and Runaway story, it does feel like a very much an ensemble story. Like it's yeah. like it's, it's 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 like a team book. With uh, I wanted to do what I could to set this up as if it were like, I, I don't know. They haven't told me anything. I don't think I don't even think I'm like that much of myself in this way. But like, I always want to write with you never know. So like, if if somebody read this and was like, oh well, this could be another comic series, then great. I helped set up you know, more comics. That was my biggest takeaway from your um, reptile book is, is the idea that, that the cousins were definitely worth, like it wasn't oh, just, yeah. they weren't just cannon fodder or background elements. They, I could see a series starring either cousin. And you've even done some artwork of, of, uh, of the cousin with the, with the Maka Weedle. I was like, yeah, I, I, did, <laughs> I did a poster of all three of them. Um, that was kind of fun. Um, but yeah, I would love to write more for Julian. He's, He's appeared two more times, no, three more times, I guess, since then, but very minimally. Um, oh, wait, in I, Voices or somewhere else? Yeah, so in Marvel Voices Comunidades, the story about oh, yes. Eva, yes, he's course. at the beginning of that for a second. Um, and then there's the Marvel um, unlim on the app, the Marvel Unlimited app, um, Iceman run that Luciano Vecchio did. And Julian shows up in that, like, I think at like the Griffith Observatory or something. He's like, oh my I gosh, Iceman! Yeah, and it, that's like the outfit that I drew him in recently was the outfit from that um, comic where he talks to Iceman. And then um, there's a one-issue reptile short um, on the Marvel Unlimited app that came out maybe six months ago now um, where Julian, Eva, and um, Beto are all playing soccer. Um, and he's in that. A little bit too. I have ideas about what I would do to like to establish him more as a superhero, um, but I, I I don't know. I'd love to write more, but I you know haven't heard anything. No, I'm <laughs> so, sure, man. You, there's you got there's my stuff to do with those characters. Yeah, definitely. Well, all I will say is if you read Reptile, he's at the end of that run. He's still left with the tech of that bracelet. Yeah, that can make you look like other things. I wouldn't make him a shapeshifter, but basically, you know, basically kind of like an image use. inducer. Yeah, you could do so much with him. I think he he's a fun character. Uh, I know you're gonna do great, man. Everything you you've worked on that I've read, I love. It. I'm a fan, and I'm excited to see where this this uh, run goes. And hopefully, we get a, a light brigade book out of it. We don't ever know <laughs> something happens. Hmm? The Nova the Nova uh, run that I did, I introduced. Um, that little alien girl character yeah. and Am Ambrus. Yeah. Well, so that's what I, to me, that's like a whole nother issue you could do, right? About like, you, now she knows that if you retain both parts of your genetic material on her planet, you get, you can read minds. <laughs> it's, it's almost like making somebody go against 
what they are, were naturally born as is somehow bad. Mm. It's, it's taking away their power. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I, I mean, if you wanted to, that could be a metaphor, but I don't know for what. You know. I mean. Well, but I also metaphor. loved um, my friend Josh Trujillo. He wrote a Hulk and Wiccan romance series where he introduced um, through a spell gone awry, like ex-boyfriends for Wiccan and Hulkling. Oh wow! And one of them, one of them is like this, the big purple elf space pirate dude, go big. And I was like, that character's really fun. And I was wondering about that character. I was like, that Wait, character first it. appears I, in the Wiccan and Hulkling. I was like, as, why is this guy familiar? I was like, as, he's Hulkling's ex-boyfriend. Nice. And um, and I was like, well, they need a big. They, I want to put a tiny little alien girl and a big alien dude on this team. And so I, feel I asked like, if I, I like... him, and they said, yeah. Go big has to have like an enemy or a brother named Go Home. I don't know. It's just got to be a thing. Uh, he looks like him, but he's just like a different color. Yeah, <laughs> and, and he's just like like more like negative about stuff. He's just the straight <laughs> version, the straight brother. Yep. <laughs> there you go. Go home. Oh God! But Jerry, you also talked about you that you're working on a couple books coming out. Or am I wrong? Was there just one coming up soon? Um. The one that's probably coming out next is the book I wrote about Frida. Um, it's been announced online and the cover was shown. So I guess I can talk about it. <laughs> so, so you've been doing a couple books now about historical figures. Yeah, it's the same. So it's it's Travis. The same, um, yeah, so it's like the next um, like line that they're releasing of people from the same uh, book series. And so um, I was asked to write one about Frida. Um, and I had just when I was asked to write this book about her, I had just maybe several months prior to that gone to her house um, and taken a bunch of pictures and stuff. Like her, so, her historical house. Yeah. So it's like a museum now. And um, it's so in she, she wasn't there. You couldn't visit with her, I guess. No, she wasn't there. She's like stepped out. Um, <laughs> but but um, it was really a cool experience. Um, and I knew some about her. Um, I have many books about her. So I was like, well, I guess I'll read all these, <laughs> um, do my research. The thing I like about those books is that they're biographies, but they don't, they don't tell you like, okay, write this person's biography. Like they were born, they did this, they died. Right. They're like, no, choose an interesting time in their life and write about that. Oh, okay. And so obviously for me with Cesar Chavez, it was like the March that he did, you know, to um, Sacramento from Delano. Um, and then with Frida, I was really trying to think, well, what's the, in my mind, what's the most interesting kind of time in her life? She certainly had many interesting things um, happen to her and, and she certainly did many interesting things. So I really had to think about it. And I thought um, when she was offered her first solo show in New York City during the Great Depression, <laughs> I was like, to me, she at this point in her life, she's known, she knows that her husband is like pretty, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I know it in Spanish, unfaithful. Mm. <clears throat> and she realizes that if she does this art show, then that means she, and she sells her work, that she has a way to make money. And so she's not, she's not dependent on anyone else. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So now there's like some stakes, right? She needs the show to do good. She wants it you know, to be known. She doesn't want to be known as um, uh, Sen Senora Rivera. Rivera. Right? She wants to be yeah. known as Frida Kahlo. So that was her establishing her own name. Um, and I also thought in the Great Depression, every movie you see about it, like everybody's wearing like desaturated brown gray clothing. That's like really boring. Yeah. The world was, was like, sepia tone back then. Even sepia in New tone. York, right? Even in New York. It's, it's, no, you're getting to what I'm talking about because I wanted to flip this idea that whenever we see a movie about Mexico, right? What do we get? This hideous yellow sepia filter, right? Yep. But Frida yep. in Manhattan, in the Great Depression, everybody else would be in this like gray brown sepia toned clothing. And she would be in this colorful Aztec inspired garb. Ooh. And I was like, that's what I want to see is a, a page of her. I was like, oh, I can write it. A page of her walking down the street in Manhattan. She's super colorful and like proud of who she is. And everybody else in New York around her is like, what, it, who is this? Like, what is happening? You know, because um, she would be look, you know, so out of place. So it was fun to research. It was, you know, I had to like look into the gallery that showed her work and the act like, I couldn't have 
a painting on the wall that mm. she hadn't done yet, you know? So I needed to know like her work up to a certain point. Um, it's always been my, um, like a little wish I have. She, so she had a pet deer, like a fawn, right? And people are like, oh, so exotic, so strange, so weird, all of her crazy animal pets. Audrey Hepburn also had a pet fawn and people were like, oh, how chic, how glam, how, you know, I, so like what, that's what is the weird to me too that causes one to be called exotic. I wonder why I, I couldn't know, you know, mm. so, hmm. um, but mm -hmm. <laughs> again, so that's why I take issue maybe with this article we were talking about before about Frida before we were recording is um, yeah. because she was still treated like um, in, so in society, still treated by, by history as a person of color. Um, especially especially her mom in was the US media. Yes. Well, no, um, actually, no, also in, no. in Mexican media as well. In, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I, um, I forgot no, I mean, let me ask you a question. When you write, well, hold on. I'm sorry. Uh, Go ahead. Terry, I want to ask you a question. So when you are working on your original stuff versus working on say Marvel characters, we have to research the history of those characters, but now you're researching, you know, real life people mm -hmm. and telling a story. How different is your creative process going from one to the other, to the other, from fully original to fictional characters in a shared universe to, reality essentially yeah the the most important thing for me is that what all three of those have to what all three of those have in common is that um they have to be in service of a story right like if people are interested and they don't think the storytelling's good they they're you know they're not going to read it what you want is for people to read the stuff that you write so it has to be before i worried about did frida ever say this did frida ever do this i had to think about um in a general sense what i mentioned before like an interesting time in her life that people will be invested in right um <clears throat> so when i did with cesar chavez because it was the first one i had written about an actual person i remember my thought being like okay so I, i'm writing this thing. i i had read that he and dolores um, had played cards at night and i was like um hmm like what if i do a scene where they're playing cards at night well what can I write them saying? I was like, I wasn't there. I can't, I don't know the exact words they would have said to each other. And I was like, yeah. well, if it was just the two of them, then the two of them would be the only people who know what they said. So, you know, I can, I can make something up. You like mean a little bit. It's not 100% accurate to history. <laughs> if I time travel, I will find out you're a liar. Let me tell Harry. you about every movie you've ever seen that was based on it. <laughs> what? You're blowing my mind, man. You, you, oh, <laughs> the man. hell you say. So there was a little bit of freedom and like, if, is this something he would have said? If it's really not, you can't write it. You know, like you can make up to a point, but things have to be, um, how do I put this? The, with Frida, what was great was that I, I had a lot of, um, or I had a book of a lot of letters that she wrote to Nicholas Murray, who was um, a, a side boyfriend of hers. Um, and, that gave me her voice like it gave me like you know kind of how she talked and and where her like how far would she write before her temper kicked in of like something she yeah. was pas passionate about or whatever you know um so that was really helpful and um i had to write a scene where she was in france and she did not have a good time there and reading the letters that she wrote from france helped me write the scenes where she was um in that country you know otherwise I, I wouldn't have really known. Um, I would have just been like, oh, she's mad. I needed to oh, know well, what, what she was mad about. And... Trying to get to is that the fact that you're telling a, a story that's entertaining. It's not just simply a fact or like, okay, this is a historical event that happened. I get there with Cesar Chavez. I get that. But at the end of the day, it has to be entertaining. Mm -hmm. I want to enjoy the story. And you're, you're yeah. telling of that story. You have enough of a liberty and you, of course, you still try to be as faithful as you can, right, to their voice. And it's not going to be word for word, obviously, because it's not them telling you exactly what they said. But it's enjoyable. Right. You have a little bit of freedom. And at the end of the day, if you can read it, enjoy it, and have a cool little comic or cool little book that you can kind of go back to and enjoy that story. I think it's cool. Well, and that's and that's why I, and um, after considering it, said yes to writing the book about Cesar Chavez because even though I thought, you know, farm labor union stuff for kids, uh, what, I don't know how to, uh, 
I, the more I thought about it, what I thought about when I broke down the story was, but kids understand you're not treating me fair. And I was like, and isn't that what this whole thing was about? You are not being fair to the farm workers and your employees. You're not treating us fair and that's wrong. And I was like, well, then kids could get, they can get that. So, yeah, you know, I was like, sure, maybe I will take a stab at this. Um, and I think if you remove Frida's name from like the synopsis of what I wrote about her, that's sort of my, one of my tests is like, is this still interesting? Like, okay, a woman searching for identity and independence, you know, is it still with her star on the, you know, like on this art gallery show during the yeah. great depression when people don't have money that like, you know, are there stakes? Are you going to want to root for her? Or at least, you know, we, we have so many characters today that are like, you're not supposed to like that character, even though they're the main star, but are you, yeah, and you don't have to, but you have to be interested in their story. You don't yeah. That's like the them. thing. You'd be interested in her. But, Cause yeah. the thing is she's become, and it's be, for what anything is like, it, it, it's hip to be Latino, right? It's Frida Kahlo's on the t-shirt. I have some, mm -hmm. some prints of her, I have some stickers of her here and there. But when you can read a story and kind of, and it's awesome that you took from those letters, right? Because there's a lot to be said when you and someone's voice is there in print to kind of take away from that. And I at least take it as you're being as true as you can to the person as much as possible, right? Within those means. And still make it entertaining where I can kind of little more about her. If I'm really a fan of her, this is one of those examples. Freddie, yeah. can, I, can I just point out real quick? Sure. I feel like being true to yourself as a person has been our theme for this episode. Mm, it has, hasn't it? Very yeah. much so. Beginning to end. <laughs> that's a great message, period. Be true to yourself. Definitely. In every My Primo's podcast, word. be true to yourself. <laughs> I should have two to put the star go across it. Ding. You that's know, what I tell. It. That's that's actually what I tell students when I speak at the college I went to, or I do an independent study or mentorship with them. Is one of the things I tell them, and, and Freddie, you'll re you'll recognize us from from RuPaul too. Is that she says, um, "Know who you are, and deliver that at all times." All times. You know, and definitely. I, and I think some some students or younger people who might be struggling with that, it's because they might be thinking, "Well, but." You know, do I have something to say, like professionally, artistically, from life experience? You know, a lot of people who are younger, I think, struggle with that because they think they might not have something to say in regards to some of those. But like, if you just, um, I tell kids all the time when like, go speak uh, also at some like ex-Mormon thing every once in a while. Is that someone sure. was like, when things get rough and you feel like, you know, this isn't for you and you don't know, um, you know, like when you can get out or when you like will be on your own, like the best thing yeah. to do is find something that you love or that you're passionate about and focus on that during difficult times. Make yourself an expert at that thing because when the moment comes when you can, like when I turned 18, I was like, boom, I left my, I left my hometown, right? <laughs> yeah. um, when the moment comes when you are able to be on your own, you now might have a skill that you love or a talent that you are good at that you can turn into a job, you know, like that if what you want is to get away, well, you're going to have to take care of yourself when you get away. So figure out how to do that now in terms of learn who you are and what you're passionate about. It doesn't have to be drawing. Yeah. It doesn't have to be writing. It can be like you're passionate about, you know, like uh, birds. <laughs> yeah, bird watching. A, yeah. Follow your on, passion. Um, when I was talking with Angelique on, on one of the Marvel podcasts, it was like, you know, there's a great guy who's um, in comics and he's like a passionate bird, bird watcher. And he, you know, can talk about that now. So and now he's got his own show. Yeah. Do what you do, yeah. what you love, you know, no, do what you love. And not only that, but we forget as creators right now, kind of wrap up with this, but um, don't forget as creators, when you're, when you're writing something, I've always thought that the medium that we're, we're creating in, at least for the most part, comic books, graphic novels, will, will you? They're geared towards kids, younger audiences. Don't I mean, I get it. Most of us our age are reading these books and we're talking about it. And we have a whole podcast about it. But when you have that message in what you're creating, be true to yourself. Nimona, Avatar, you know, um, Runaways. Black Time Passes, because I love that book. You know, I really do. <laughs> yeah. uh, be true you. to yourself. 
you know, and really understand that if you're a creative out there, don't forget that who's reading your who's reading your books. Don't forget that. Really, it's who's listening to your content. It's it can be a 14 year old that's struggling with something. And then these words reach them and they're just going to take it for what it is. And, you know, you never know you, Terry, you said you're a very humble person, you know, that we kind of sprinkle you with love. Right. But you are, man, you are a shining star out there in this Latin comic community. And I'm grateful every time you interact with us. I really grateful you come on the show and I, I hope it's always fun for you. Cause it's always fun for us. But, um, Terry, where can people find you? Give us your socials, and that way they can follow you online and enjoy all those fun tweets. Um, you can find me at or Threads at Terry Blast True. on Threads, <laughs> Instagram. I had a feeling. Twitter. Um, what's the other one? I guess TikTok. <laughs> I don't post much there. Um, and at my website, which is just TerryBlast.com, in about half an hour you can find me on my couch watching cartoons <laughs> uh just to our listeners please don't go try to find terry bloss on his couch no you please don't find, find me couch. on my couch yeah but don't but don't don't find them on but... his couch please don't but find his work primos thank you guys for listening terry thank you of course appreciate you jumping on the show always welcome open door always thank you. yeah and uh see if you can uh Convince Chucho to chat with me, man. I'd love to have him oh, on sure. the show, talk to him. Uh, and of course, for all the primos out there, do what you love, be true to yourself, and adios. We didn't say. We out. <laughs> <laughs>